Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. As part of a collaboration with online community and coding school Superhigh, over the next two weeks on Lecture in Progress, we'll be talking to creatives working in the digital sphere. This week's guest is Superhigh's own founder, Rick Lomas, a New York-based tech educator, coder, and startup advisor. Uh, I'm Rick Lomas. I am the CEO and founder of Superhigh. There's a lot of people online that kind of are wanting to learn to code. And my background was mainly in kind of teaching creatives rather than teaching a kind of mainstream audience. And the way that I kind of noticed is there's a different way of teaching creatives people than um, the kind of mainstream audience. There's a lot more visual. They want to know a lot more stuff about the kind of interaction side of things rather than, you know, wanted to do it to become a billionaire. <laughs> and we kind of wanted to teach in a slightly different way, a kind of more practical, more real way than the very kind of academic style that the kind of code schools are teaching. So we just wanted to kind of change how online digital education was taught specifically for creatives. Having moved to New York a few years ago, Rick has grown super high from the ground up in a new country, and it now services students all over the globe. We have students in 40, 45 countries, I think it is right now. And most of them work in the creative industries as designers, as illustrators, as photographers, and all of them are wanting to learn to code, partly for their job, partly for their careers, uh, most of them to upskill, really. And my job is to basically help them learn. And that kind of entails making videos, it entails helping them if they have any problems. We do a lot of kind of one-on-one -on -one sessions as well. So if anyone gets stuck, we can really kind of get into the weeds with them and kind of talk through any problems that they have. I was brought up in a single parent family in Manchester and my mum always wanted me to be an accountant because I was pretty good at maths, but I just was not interested in that side of things. And I didn't really get any kind of creative outlet when I was growing up. And, and, and it wasn't really until I got a computer when I was about 17 that I really started to kind of see the possibilities of what you could actually make. It was a lot of trial and error and a lot of going wrong and being really, really frustrated as well. And, you know, I really wanted to make things that look good. And when I started, I didn't know how to do that. And even at the time, this was kind of the early 2000s when all of the web didn't look very good. Like, it was tricky and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. So for me, it was like a good two, three, four years of just kind of being stuck and, you know, slowly kind of really getting through it badly. By that time, I'd kind of applied for a degree in maths and I was kind of on that track. And when I got to university, I actually spent more time just playing around with the computer, making websites, making web designs, and actually doing things which were completely irrelevant to my degree. It was kind of something that I didn't really take. You know, I kind of, it fell by the wayside a little bit. And instead, I just made things on the side. And it was a lot more fun and a lot more interesting to me to actually do that. So over time, I kind of realized that, hey, I'm pretty, pretty good at this. Maybe I should do this as a job. Uh, straight after university, I applied for a few jobs and I didn't really get anywhere at the start because 
I didn't really have any kind of creative background, but I just really loved kind of graphic design and web design with no kind of background in it. So I applied for a few jobs at creative agencies and pretty big ones as well and didn't hear anything back. Uh, and eventually I found a job on a kind of job site, which was a lot smaller, uh, a, a kind of place in um, the middle of Haggerston in London. And I had never been to London at the time. So I was kind of like, cool, I'll apply to this job. I had no idea what to expect. So I turned up in a full suit uh, to a creative job, which kind of looked a bit bad at the time. And kind of went up to the kind of the front desk and I was like, hey, um, I'm here for an interview. And they took me upstairs and basically talked through all of the work that I'd done at university and all these kind of little side projects that I'd done. And they were like, cool, they look good. Um, could you come in for a trial for a week? And I said, yeah, of course. Not really thinking that I didn't have anywhere to stay in London or I kind of didn't really think this through and I just kind of agreed to it. And basically went down there. They gave me a kind of a design and I had to make it in five days. And the site that they gave me was actually uh, the Charlotte Church kind of website. And I just imagined that this was kind of a test and I didn't know like anything about this. And it turned out that it was actually the real Charlotte Church website. And I went around telling everyone, being like, oh my God, I'm making like a pop stars website. And yeah, basically made it in five days, got it live, never got to meet her, unfortunately. And basically they liked it. And yeah, they offered me the job. And I started a week later. It was quite strange at the time because I didn't really know how work worked. That's kind of a weird phrase. But I kind of turned up not knowing how to function in a kind of creative industry. And it was quite strange to begin with because I thought it was going to be, you kind of hear the rumors, you know, all your friends have already got jobs and they're in very big companies and very big corporate companies and they tell you all these things that happen. And you turn up to a company of, I think it was 12 at the time, and you kind of have to make your own way and work with the people around you very, very closely. Whereas my you know, friends were working with you know, middle managers. I was working directly with the creative director. I was working with lead designers because that's how big the company is. And it was, it was really kind of a bit disconcerting at the start. I was kind of really confused because I was like, should I go and talk to these people uh, who are like very talented and very experienced? And in the end, you kind of have to, you kind of have to force yourself into it and really just really grab grab it by the horns and kind of run with it. Over time, I kind of got a little bit bored of creative agencies personally, um, partly because I found that I was doing similarish projects over and over and it felt a little bit like a factory. So I went to work at a startup and it was a very small startup. There was only uh, about four people in it at the time. And the reason that I joined it is because I had so much creative control over it. And not just from a kind of like design point of view, but like the features that went along with that as well. You kind of had a really strong sense of like what you're trying to make. And it felt very scrappy. It felt very kind of like, you know, we can change the world. I know it's kind of, you know, the thing that people say, but, you know, having something that you're working on every day and you're thinking about all the time is very exciting. And I 
I'd left there after three years and you know, the company had grown from three people to uh, 30 people very, very quickly. And I wanted to go freelance because I wanted that kind of excitement again and again, just that kind of working very closely with small clients to actually achieve the dream that they wanted to make. A lot of them didn't get there. A lot of them kind of failed along the way. And, you know, not my fault. <laughs> Maybe not my fault. But over time, you know, I kind of wanted to do it myself. And I got an opportunity to start a code school with my then girlfriend. And over time, we basically started a company called Steer. And that was a code school in London, like an in-person one. You go there for five days, you start on a Monday morning and leave on a Friday evening, and you've learned a ton of stuff. And over time, um, basically kind of co-founder fallouts and working with your girlfriend and then ex-girlfriend every day wasn't a particularly great experience. And we fell out a lot and it's kind of normal to see that. So I left there, uh, went back to freelancer for a while. And then my current wife, uh, she got a job in New York as a neuroscientist. And it was one of these opportunities that she couldn't turn down. So we basically made the decision to move. I had never been to New York at the time, and I was kind of like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Let's just move. Let's see what happens. And luckily, because of things like Twitter and Facebook, I actually knew a few people here. I'd never met them. But when I got here, I could actually go and meet them and actually you know, see what they were up to. They could intro me to people. And over time, I kind of wanted to get back into teaching code. And yeah, started Supai over here last year, uh, well, two years ago now. And yeah, been doing that ever since. For anyone a little less familiar with the basics of web design, its terminology and coding languages, Rick gave us a bit of an introduction. So the way that most kind of websites work is there's two sides to it. There's the front end and the back end, which sounds a bit like a, a panto horse. So the front end is all the visual side of things. So there's only really three languages that you can use, which is HTML, CSS and JavaScript. HTML is the content, CSS is the style, and JavaScript is kind of the actions and interaction that you can do. On the backend side of things, which is all the kind of database and kind of, you know, your users are logging in or you're taking payments from your users, you kind of have a variety of languages that you can use for that. So some of the popular ones are Python or Ruby on Rails or PHP. Uh, there's, uh, you can use a lot of these kind of different languages. And that's kind of where the division comes in. It depends on what personal preference that people like on that side of things. And those are the kind of divisions that kind of crop up. You'll see front-end developer being advertised as a, a, a job and the back-end developer being advertised as a job. And rarely you get someone who could do the full thing, which is sometimes called full stack. They can do both the front-end and both the back-end at the same time. And I suppose depending on who you're talking to, Everyone has a different opinion about what's best. And it's kind of like, you know, what is good design? And that really depends on who you ask as well. And luckily, coding is a very kind of accessible thing to get into. Like, a lot of coders do want to help beginners get into this and are very open to helping. So there's sites out there like Stack Overflow that people can ask questions on for free and other professional programmers will help you out. And... You don't see that in most industries where people spend their free time helping strangers out. And that's the kind of nice thing about it as well. Like, it is an accessible place. For me, 
if you want to learn about web design, I think learning about code is very, very useful. It doesn't mean that you need to be a professional programmer, but having some knowledge about what you can and can't do with the tools that you're given is very, very important. And it's almost like if you want to learn to paint, you need to know what paint does and how it works and you know the different kinds of paint. And I think that's kind of where my kind of, if you want to learn that kind of side of things, I think it's very useful to know what your medium is. And I think, you know, if you're learning just graphic design or print design, do you need to learn to code? Probably not. It might interest you, but it could be very useful for you in the future. But should you be forced to learn it? I don't think so. Learning to code and learning anything about uh, a new skill, most of the time you feel like such an idiot about learning because you're making mistakes all the time, things look bad, things go wrong and you get stuck. And I think the people who really go the next level with this stuff just have that perseverance. And I think a lot of it is like not feeling like it's you're the problem, you're learning. And I think instead just thinking like, cool, this is not me. I'm learning this stuff. I need to keep going with this as much as possible. And just having that perseverance. I definitely say that side projects are a big part of learning. Like one thing that we kind of tell our students is make side projects, like do as many things as possible, break things, keep trying and keep moving forward with this stuff. And, you know, there's only so much that we can actually give you as a, as a kind of teacher. Sometimes you have to go and do it yourself and really kind of make those mistakes for yourself. I would say don't be too worried about what you did at university. You can kind of change what you do very, very quickly. Like I did a maths degree and I barely use it 10 years later. Always try and find something that interests you, like because you've been doing it most of the day and I know it's hard to say like do what you love because it's like such a cliche but find something that kind of at least has your attention that you can hold every single day um, it doesn't mean that you'll love it straight away you might be doing design work that you hate but at least you're trying to do more of that and you know at least you're doing something in an industry that you want to be in this episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress it was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Rick Lomas. The editor was Ivor Manley. As part of our collaboration with Super High, we're offering student members aged 25 and under the chance to win a full scholarship to their foundation coding courses. To apply, go to lectureinprogress.com and go to the Offers and Promotions page. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include Us2, GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.